it's Caroline, and you're listening to Get a Clue Stories of Business. This is my podcast about change management, transformation, and restructuring. And we all know I love to borrow concepts from pop culture, talk about historical figures, or just allude to my professional experience. When I worked for the bank, I once had a very interesting encounter with a very senior stakeholder. She was a professional lawyer. Um, she had a lot of charisma, very senior. She previously had built the New York offices of a reputable law firm. All in all, she was the whole senior stakeholder package. I happened to moderate one of her meetings. And after a couple of sentences, she looked at me and she said, who are you? I laughed and I said, my name is Caroline Jorbrick and I'm on the project team. She looked at me and she said, oh, I'm glad I know everybody on my project team. And then she smiled. This is just a very good example of what it's like to deal with stakeholders in an organizational setting. And today's episode is dedicated to just that, stakeholder management. Now I know you think this is so boring and I get it. I mean, stakeholder management sounds like governance, risk management, internal audit, but when you want to get a transformation right, when you want to make sure it's effective, you need to cover the basics and stakeholder management is definitely part of that. Because if you don't know your stakeholders, if you don't know how to navigate them and how to get them to support the change, you will sooner or later run into issues such as milestones not being met, process delays, and a bad time to adoption KPI. We don't want that. When I work on a transformation project, one of the first things I do is to take stocks of all of the different stakeholders. Keep in mind that when a company is publicly listed, even shareholders are their very own distinct stakeholder group. Who else is out there? The governing council, the board, middle managers, people who work on the factory floor. Salespeople, if you happen to be Gucci, then your sales staff is one of your stakeholder groups. So you really need to make sure that you do a pretty good job at mapping them all out. Take inventory of all of the different stakeholders. Make sure you don't forget them. Then the next equally important step is to really consider how these different stakeholders want to be communicated to. So what kind of informational needs do they have? It's not only informational needs. How do they usually process and have access to information? Will they check the intranet site? Do they prefer reading company-wide emails? Do they attend a town hall? Do they dial in to the bi-monthly corporate calls? Or if they happen to work in manufacturing on the factory floor, is it more advisable to provide posters to them outlining the major information pertaining to the change project? It's also about language, right? Don't make it too complicated. Try to talk to people in a language that appeals to them and makes sense to them. So do not use words like the VUCA world when you talk to, let's say, sales reps or people who are regular desk office workers. I recommend that you reach out to your colleagues from marketing and ask them whether they have a customer persona template because for each stakeholder group, it's very advisable to actually use a customer persona template. So actually imagine a representative of that particular stakeholder group 
what is their age? What are their hobbies? What are they interested in? And then also, how do they absorb information? Which channels do, do they use? Is it Slack? Or do they read the emails, as I previously mentioned? By mapping such a, let's call them change, a customer persona, you get a very good idea of how to talk to the members of the organization. So take stock, but then ultimately already consider how you will ensure that the information about the transformation project is conveyed to them in a manner and on channels that matter to them. When I think back about this very senior lady who used to head global corporate governance at this particular bank, I know intuitively that she had quite some influence. She had power. And that leads us to a very crucial tool in stakeholder analysis and strategy that I would love to talk about now. It is called the power interest grid. It's a framework, it's simple, it consists of four different blocks, and it tries to already segment your employee group into different groups that will either support or resist the change. Think about it as a chess game. I actually wrote an article about this on Medium. It's called Stakeholder Management, a strategy game that never gets boring. And that's exactly how you should view stakeholder management. It's an enticing exercise. It helps you make sense of different groups within the organization and how to ultimately navigate them and steer them in your direction. So what's so impactful about the power interest grid? It provides you with an overview of the different groups, but it helps you already categorize. So there are the latents, there are the promoters, there are, there are the defenders, and there are the apathetics. In terms of power and interest, the promoters are the ones that have a lot of power within the organization, and they have a strong interest in the change project. Think about executive champions. Maybe it's a member of the board. Maybe it's a very influential middle manager. You want to make sure that you manage them closely. You give them a lot of information. And if they have questions, make sure to get back to them ASAP. Another group that has a lot of power, but it's just not so interested in the change. They're like, nah, nah, not so interested are the latents. With the latents, you don't have to put so much effort. All you have to do is keep them informed. Let's think of a group that doesn't have a lot of power, but that is very interested in the change. Those are the defenders. Think maybe middle managers or experts within your organization. And consider that the defenders also need to be catered to because if they all of a sudden do not buy into the change anymore, do not support it, you run into an issue. So you need to make sure you talk to them. If they're members of the sounding board, for instance, they will give you crucial feedback regarding any sort of like roadblocks, misunderstandings concerning the transformation project. So make sure you keep them very well informed. Then a group that just not so interested in the change, but they also don't have so much power, they're the apathetics. And in my 
experience, it's sufficient to monitor them and to exert minimum effort while interacting with them. The matrix is so effective because you can easily use that in a session with the board or whoever is your senior client. You prefer the matrix. That's what I typically do. I prefer it and then I bring it to a board meeting or a meeting with senior managers, whoever my internal client is. I show it to them and then they have 10 to 15 minutes to make changes to the matrix. It's easy. It's a visual tool. It's a neat framework. And whoever your internal client is, board members, other senior managers, they can tap into that tacit knowledge of organizational dynamics and stakeholder groups to complete this. Keep in mind that this grid is also helpful when you want to steer your stakeholders over the course of an entire project and it's not static. So while at this moment in time, you don't have to worry about say the apathetics, some of the people in that group, depending on how the project goes, might turn into defenders. So people that you need to keep informed much more. And in general, the different stakeholder groups can change around a bit, depending on what stage of the transformation you're in and how people react and interact. When I think about stakeholder management, I find that it's a very creative endeavor because you can certainly use tools that are outside of the typical range of, you know, change management, as I already said, why not work with the change customer template and persona so you capture stakeholders informational needs, but also reflect on integrating tools that people usually wouldn't use in change. If you work in a very, you know, innovation driven company, maybe you have coders that love to use Slack. So include Slack in your communication and circular management strategy as a channel to convey messages. Or if you work with lots of creatives and they want to brainstorm topics as part of the stakeholder management approach, consider including whiteboard tools such as Mural or Miro in your initiative. That's it for today. I hope that you got some new insights on this episode. As I said, stakeholder management may sound really boring. It's not. It is essential. It's one of the foundational first steps you have to take when kicking off a change project and make sure that you cover your bases, make sure that you give stakeholder management the time of the day. It is next it is next level thinking. You have to include it. Otherwise you will run into risks, which are completely preventable. And that's why I recommend looking at stakeholder management as a strategy game. It's fun. It's creative. You're dealing with human beings. Things can change, but mapping all of your stakeholders, including, as I said, shareholders, maybe even the press will help you keep a very good grip on your change project. And that's what you want. I'd love to hear from you whether there are other stakeholder management tools that I completely forgot to look at. I know that there's the BCG DICE model that looks at stakeholders and their impact and also on how much time you actually have to spend on different milestones within a project and roadblocks. That might be something I will talk about in the future. 
and also if there are any other tools that help you, you know, making sense of stakeholders and maybe also their hidden agendas, because that's also a crucial point, please share them with you. And as always, if you have any comment or feedback, I'd be grateful to receive that. Without further ado, thank you so much.